Hello, and welcome to the Humans of Magic 2022 Retrospective Yearn Review. I'm in a dark room right now, and I'm just going to record. I'm just going to try to talk about everything that happened this year for Humans of Magic, and all the ups and downs, the good, bad, ugly, the learnings, and what it's going to look like for Humans of Magic heading into 2023. It's going to be a monologue here, folks. There's no other guest except for maybe uh, Burger. Burger, one of my cats, does not like to get held, so let me just release him and let him be on his way. Yeah, let's just talk about everything that happened this year it was quite a lot so yes as i was saying this is going to be a monologue i'm sorry there's not going to be a guest sitting across from me and we're just going to try to do this in one take hopefully i don't flub it too hard and it's hard to be really rehearsed for this kind of stuff because i just want to be really truthful and honest about this whole year and what it's been like for humans of magic. So maybe we can start off by talking about some of the mindset highlights or good things that have happened this year. For one, this was the year. This is year six of humans of magic, but this was the year that I decided to release weekly episodes. I had been just Feeling Like Humans and Magic was a passion project for the first five years. Just doing it on a whim whenever I found, I found an interesting guest and felt like we wanted to connect and record and talk about it. But this year, I really made the resolution to go hard, to be more consistent and get serious about Humans and Magic. It's really a challenge to myself. Could I do a weekly release for an interview-based show and have high-quality episodes every week, week in and week out. And I'm happy to say that it worked for the most part. Let me see. Where are we right now for Humans of Magic? This is the beauty of it being unscripted is that you're just pulling out your phone and looking at all the episodes, but this is actually good. So let's see, we're at, this is episode 129. And when I began the year, I think it was the Cedric Phillips interview. That was episode 86. So yeah, if you do the math, that's, um, was it 86? 128 minus 86 plus one plus this one so that is 44 episodes for the year i mean 52 weeks in the year and this there's 44 episodes of humans of magic this year i'd say that was pretty good it is tough it has been tough doing weekly releases editing the last three four months i've gone out on youtube as well so doing the the video part of that as well learning the thumbnails learning 
the art of the YouTube, that has been really fun and interesting, but also added another element of work. I mean, it's just me. It, there's nobody else. I, I'm the one recording. I'm the one scheduling, editing, putting it out there, putting it out there. And yeah, so I think one of the major highlights, just to kind of recap this ramble, is putting out 44 episodes this year. I definitely want to continue to be consistent when it comes to 2023. And it's kind of a a challenge. It's a nice challenge for myself. Just can I be consistent? Can I control the inputs, right? Because you don't know how every episode or how each episode will be received. But what I can control is being consistent, putting the work in, and just building up building up that base. It was kind of a, a challenge to myself. And really the thing behind it in the background is just this year, there was a lot of stuff happening in China where I live. There's a lot of ups and downs. It was, it was nice to have a, a podcast, really, just a weekly podcast to produce, to kind of take my mind off some of the, the real world challenges, as it were. So yeah, that's, that's highlight number one. Putting out weekly episodes. I would say another major highlight looking back on the year is just I feel much more relaxed and comfortable and in my element as an interviewer. Because this is the year that I I made the kind of mental jump from I'm interviewing somebody to I'm having a conversation with somebody. And... Maybe it just has to do with putting in the reps, but I think it also has a lot to do with being super intentional with how I approach every recording as a conversation, as a way for me to listen to what the guests are really saying, as a way for me to figure out how to relate to them, and for me to break out of the shell that I was in for previous years, which was really a lot more about structure and framework and coming up with a list of questions for my guests ahead of time not to say that it was actually i'll say it it was pretty robotic before it's pretty robotic this year i decided if i was going to make this a more consistent thing then i needed to also make it less robotic less structured more natural more free-flowing kind of like this monologue right here just just talk right just listen to them talk listen to my guests have them listen to me put myself out there a little bit more so I did experiment with a lot of different ways even though maybe the end product kind of feels somewhat consistent I did go through a phase earlier in the year where I was doing a lot more interrupting guests just injecting myself then I kind of pulled it back because I you know, what I do is I talk to some of my guests after the recording to get feedback. And I think with some of the guests, it went a little bit too far in the other direction. They felt like I was interrupting them. I wasn't really giving them their voice, right? Their platform to speak. And it's a very situational thing, right? Some people are more conversational and just jumping out and about. I guess Pleasant Kenobi was an episode I did this year where it was very clear that Vince and I, um, Pleasant Kenobi's real name, Vince and I could really gel and we could just jump 
between topics, go to a topic, come back and things like that. Just make it really random. Just have a conversation, just, just conversing and recording and making that into a podcast, right? That's the ideal way. But I do recognize that not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants to just come on and talk about whatever they want and have James ask them whatever random thing that pops up in James's mind. It's, it's difficult for some people, right? And it's difficult for me too, actually, if I were to go on a show and someone just started asking me about the meaning of life or some philosophical, political topic, just throwing examples out there, that's not what I typically do for my guests. But if they did that, then that would be tough, right? That's not what they're used to. They're, they're used to talking about magic. And the biggest con is coming onto Humans of Magic and thinking that you're just going to talk about magic because as I talk, as I tell many of my guests, if we just talk about magic, then I'm sorry, but you're in the wrong show. If we just talk about magic, then the episode will be very non-Humans of Magic-like. Uh, I mean, magic is the way that we have a, a common language, but that's all. I mean, I'm happy to just talk about anything but some guests like they want to stay in the magic lane and i have to respect that so one thing that i did course correct myself on was kind of halfway through the year i realized i was just thinking to myself how do i make these interviews better well i think first of all not going overly structured and just sending my guests a list of questions and you know planning way in advance that doesn't work right honestly a lot of guests are just busy they want to come on and just just chat right so what I do have now is my equivalent of the the Commander Rule Zero conversation. We have a pre-interview conversation. And I basically just say, hey, look, I'm going to explore certain character arcs with you where you are the character. We're going to have your life arc. We're going to have your content arc. Uh, do you want any, Do you want to talk about any other topics? Do, do we want to... Where do you want to go? What things are you particularly passionate about, right? Uh, you know, I think that is really important to get them in the right frame of mind so they don't feel surprised by this kind of flow of conversation. And it's actually fine. Once you do that with somebody, then you can talk about whatever is okay within the cons the confines of that that conversation or that that those themes and generally speaking that's worked out a lot a lot better once I started using that system with my guests for the second half of the year and I think I'm going to continue doing that so this is a really long way to say this year some of the highlights were getting more conversational but also conversational with a little bit of structural backup another thing was just asking guests about time limits right so I've had I think the shortest recording I had this year was with Milan. Uh, it was 45 minutes. Kind of just felt like it could end at that point, so we did. Uh, I had some real whopper conversation with people where it was like over two hours, approaching three-hour territory. I just, just did one with um, Brian David Marshall, BDM, and it was incredible. We went almost three hours because he was willing to go there, and it, there, was a, there was a real vibe, and... I think that was good because BDM had a lot of stories and it, it felt appropriate. But for some of the guests, if they probably found it a little off-putting, like when do we actually 
end. So putting that structure of like asking the guests ahead of time, how long, what is your ideal time limit or time duration? We can, we can go above that if you want later on, because it's not a live show. We can always add to it. If you feel like, you know, you want to keep going, Hey, I'm not going to stop you. I'll, I'll be here all day. Right. If you, if you want to talk, but just putting those kind of constraints or frameworks on guests, make them more comfortable. Because one thing that people don't often don't understand about humans magic is that I've in 99% of cases, I've never talked to the guests before ever. We may have had some Twitter DMS or interactions or on stuff on messenger, but we've never actually talked real time face to face or um, in a recording, looking at each other and stuff like that. So one thing that I'm very proud of is just building up that rapid rapport with guests. And so you need these kind of framework things. You need to have the, the pre-interview conversation. You need to have, you know, expectation setting. Um, so that was a really interesting learning it was like some parts, the actual recording, make it more relaxed, make it more conversational, but other parts of it, which is the planning of it, you do want to put more structure or be intentional with the structure because that does matter or it does matter to me at least. Another area I would say, so, okay, let, let's, let's, let's recap. <laughs> Number one is just consistency, weekly episodes. That was a highlight. Another highlight was um, just be more conversational, but be more structural around the actual recording itself. And I would say another major highlight for me this year was putting more of myself into it because in the past, when I recorded Humans of Magic, it was always like, I always treated myself as the invisible interviewer. But I thought about this a lot. I thought about this a lot. I started studying other interview podcasts because I, I really believe like if you're doing interview podcasts or some podcast in a genre, you have to reference the other podcast in a genre like if you're doing a podcast you don't ever listen to other podcasts or if you're writing a book and you never read other books that's just wrong to me like I mean hot take right there it's just you have to understand the environment around you so I was just looking at or listening to some of the the interviewers that I admire and they have a way of putting their personality out there either they're already a known figure which is has some advantages and also disadvantages in terms of people's expectations, right? Um, I don't know. Imagine if Brad Pitt had an interview podcast. Maybe he does. Um, people have expectations of who Brad Pitt is. But other times, there's also just interviews that are really good, and they have a brand that they're developing through their voice and how they're asking questions. And that's part of having a conversation, right? Because you're not just asking questions. You're putting more of your yourself into it. And so... I'm happy to say that although it's a work in progress, I would say that this year I made a quite a leap in putting James, uh, James Sue, the guy who uh, grew up in Canada, now lives in China and um, is <laughs> practically a nobody in terms of playing magic, but is really intentional and serious and passionate about the art of talking to people and really learning about where they're coming from and their their story, their content creator arc, if they're content creators, uh, their pro player arc, if they're pro players, and really just trying to get 
deeper because I, I really have that curiosity and I really want to make that known. And it's not just me telling you about it now, but also just, just living that, right? Um, so there'll be more episodes. There were more episodes this year where I talked about my backstory, how I got into magic and relating. Uh, there's a, again, I'll use the, the Brian David Marshall episode that I just recorded recently, which is coming out soon. Really, really excited about that. And man, we just, I mean, he was telling me about his comic book origins and magic origins. And we just started geeking out over Star Wars CCG because that's just something that was instrumental to my life. I mean, in the nineties, it wasn't magic for me. It was a Star Wars CCG. I lived and breathed and existed for Star Wars CCG. And basically peaked as a as a card game player back then. And that was really cool because I, I, I finally felt like I had the room to talk about myself. And like when I used to talk about myself, maybe like a year ago, I would just try to stop myself. Like, hey, nobody cares. They wanna they wanna hear from Brian Kibler, Brian David Marshall, all these people that I'm interviewing who are orders of magnitude more well known than I am in the magic community. But it's important, man. I think it's important because number one, it is my brand, it is my show, but also I think it's really important when you think about the fact that, as I said, a lot of my guests and I have never talked. They don't know who I am. They don't know where I'm coming from. So it's really good to build that bridge just by putting more of myself into the episodes as well. Um, in some cases, I, I guess um, I had the privilege of interviewing some really great listeners and it was really easy to to go there and just kind of talk about my backstory so i think there's two there are probably two episodes that really come to mind one of them is definitely a highlight of the year that is episode 100 episode number 100 with jerry thompson this was jerry's second time on humans of magic and I just love that episode because um, Jerry is just someone who is very empathetic or empathic. I don't know what's the descriptor for someone who has a very strong sense of empathy. And he's just a great listener, man. Just every time I talk to him, interact with him, it just feels really good because it was in that episode. It was in that episode where I really started talking about my year living in the Shanghai China lockdown, which is an extreme lockdown that I have to say folks in North America or Europe have no idea what it was like to live through that time. It's, there's a lot of stuff that I'm still kind of working through now, as I say, with a smile, but it was a lot. It was a lot. This whole year, I feel like in a lot of ways was, tough for anybody living in mainland China, myself included. And that was part of the reason why I did Humans of Magic on a weekly basis was to kind of take my mind off things that were happening um, outside my window in, in my daily life existence. But talking to Jerry, just that was the one that was the episode where I really started talking about what was happening there. And Jerry was a great listener. I could tell by the way that we conversed that he really understood what it was like. And yeah, that was just, um, 
I think that was one of the best examples of me putting myself out there and just really being accepted by my guests and just really having a a nice conversation. A nice conversation about that. Um, there was another one. There was another one. Uh, it's I know who it is. I'm trying to find the episode number. That was a recent one. So it was 123. Humans of Magic number 123 with Rebel's son. And that was an episode that I think sometimes you just have chemistry with guests. And I I can't say I knew Rebel super well um, before or after the interview. But we definitely had some we're definitely we definitely I definitely felt like we were on the same wavelength for a lot of that conversation because Rebel she really opened up about her content journey and just like really down to brass tacks like what it was what it's like to grow as a creator and kind of the ups and downs and she gave some really awesome tips and advice for creators as well so if you're into that stuff definitely listen to it but that was also an episode where we really connected on the Asian identity angle right because rebel is asian um has chinese roots as do i and i think one of the highlights of the episode if not the whole year was when we started talking about not just like the really shallow surface level stuff like you know capital r representation you know are we seeing enough of that but we started talking about face and um you know the the concept of saving face and preserving it when it comes to oneself and one's family and it's hard to explain like if you can't just listen to it we just kind of just kind of vibed and there was just a lot of commonalities even though we're from we're so different and rebels light years ahead in terms of the content game and she's just absolutely crushing it all the time she's absolutely great and i'm just a fan first and foremost but that was another example where it was just a real a real connection right a third one where i didn't really put a third episode where i didn't really put as much of myself into it but i really did put myself into it was this ukrainian life that was the episode that i worked the longest on this year which was um really talking to folks ukrainian magic players about what it was like to live in ukraine this year after the the russian aggression or the the russian invasion of ukraine i mean let's just not sugarcoat it right because we're not we're not living under russian propaganda for most of us sorry just uh plugging in a little little power here this is the the beauty of doing this ad hoc live in one take is that you never know what happens. There we go. Yeah, so this Ukrainian life, definitely one of my proudest moments as the host of this show. Because I interviewed probably a dozen different Ukrainian players, different parts of the country. And had somebody break down talking about fleeing from his country uh, with his wife and kids and was left for Poland. Uh, just had someone, other, just everybody, just very emotional, just talking about what this meant 
and also what it meant for the magic community, even though it was a bigger thing than magic. I think that was just a really good episode to produce because I just felt like it was important to give Ukrainian players, although they're a fairly small part of the, the global magic community, give them a voice, really speak for them, give them a platform. I think that was really important. And it felt meaningful, you know, because a lot of the times we're just talking about, honestly, like stupid shit, right? Like, should this car be banned? Should this happen? You know, is this card overpowered? Um, you know, are they trashing on format X where format X is my favorite format and these kind of pissing matches on Reddit and Twitter. And I'm guilty of half of that stuff too, but it is nice to kind of just think about the bigger, the bigger picture, right? Because as I say, like being apolitical or not taking sides is coming from a place of privilege right and i think it was important for me to me to internalize that this is also the peak of the the shanghai lockdown that i mentioned and it's really nice to just put things in perspective because i mean yeah i think my life did have ups and downs this year it was challenging it definitely was i'm not going to sugarcoat it my personal lived experience was tough but it's also been tough for a lot of people people who were experiencing the the fear of mortality am i gonna lose my life am i gonna is my family gonna lose theirs and am i gonna get shelled am i am i gonna have a place to sleep and so it was really sobering to explore that in the context of magic in terms of ukrainian magic and so i i i mean i'm incredibly proud of that episode i wish it got more more traction i wish more people listened to it i hadn't done youtube yet at the first half of the year so it's only an audio but um i'm incredibly proud of that one um episode is just called this ukrainian life i worked really hard on it and um let's see what episode number is it number 94 so yeah i i hope you listen to it some of the content actually almost all of it is still relevant today there's still a conflict going on people there are still suffering not sure what's going to happen and um yeah I, I think it's usually one of the most meaningful things i've done this year for for the podcast so please check it out all right let's see what have i summarized the good right there's a lot of there's some good stuff there's some good stuff what are some of the lowlights? Some of the lowlights for Humans of Magic. That's always interesting too, right? What are some of the areas for improvement? Because we're, man, we're almost half an hour in. So better keep it balanced and not just be flaunting all the good stuff. I would say that I could still push my boundaries a little bit more. I have been thinking, can I interview more people from magic adjacent spaces because i said this a year ago in the 2021 recap that i had had at the time there's a lot of people in magic and i've interviewed a lot of people in magic and there's still really exciting people that i 
that I that I will be interviewing, that I have interviewed, that I haven't released the episodes for. Don't get me wrong, but I really want to apply my skill set where and my focus on the mindset of people to be more than magic. So I think there could be some magic and gaming adjacent. I should just say magic adjacent that are gaming related people that I should talk to. And for 2023, I am taking steps to do that. I am trying to branch out to talking more about, um, yeah, just the personal, just going really deep on the personal stuff, going maybe even more, even deeper. I've thought about some of the sacred cows that I've had. Like I always want them to talk about their magic origin story and various parts of their content or life arc is that really needed i don't know i i still feel like there's some frameworks that i'm hanging on to for example the pre-interview stuff which has been really beneficial but i feel like i could be a lot i could still be more adventurous in terms of putting myself out there like the episode that i just mentioned this ukrainian life that was one that i really put myself out there right because it's not like anything else i've done and i also did this feature on the TCG player acquisition of Channel Fireball, which is more, which had more of a MTG finance bent and MTG finance bent. But I really like doing that one. I like, I like kind of being kind of playing the journalists and interviewing people and getting different perspectives and trying to like ask the questions that I know people have and people that don't have a strong business sense and are just magic fans. I think they could use more awareness on. And that's been interesting. That's been interesting to like branch out and do that. But internally I have this kind of challenge where I feel like the podcast is already pretty niche, right? Because it's not about magic gameplay. It's not about, it's not commander. I'm not playing uh, EDH with a bunch of great people. I'm just sitting down talking to them about all the stuff about them. That's not magic related. And they just have to be magic players. I feel like the podcast is already quite niche. So if I'm exploring and doing different things and throwing stuff at the wall, see what sticks, is that going to be even more niche? I, I, I don't know. I don't have a great answer to that. So it's been, not to mention just doing these one-off episodes, it takes a lot more time. I think it took me almost a month to interview, produce, create This Ukrainian Life. Um, for the TCG player one, it took longer than usual. I had to like schedule interviews, think about how I want to ask the questions and like basically use certain sound bites to help the overarching flow of the episode for multiple people. And that's always more challenging. That's always more challenging. So that, that is, that is, that is the, that is the dilemma, right? It's like, you want to be more adventurous as a creator, but you also have time constraints and you also don't know if these new things will necessarily work. Like, for example, I did a, a, a compilation episode on, you know, the, the mindset behind content creation is taking some of the, the best clips that I, that I had from various interviews and putting them into the episode. I worked pretty hard on that one to like try to put together a narrative and a flow and selecting the best um, clips so it took quite a lot longer than just putting together an episode. But that episode didn't perform super well. I mean, it didn't get a lot of 
views or listens relative to some of the other ones. And that's kind of a struggle, right? As a creator, you're always thinking about numbers, even though you're not intellectually, you know, you shouldn't. Um, but in your heart and in your and elsewhere, you're, you're, it's, it, it affects you, right? Because if you have an episode come out, you're trying to do something new, it ends up being one of the lowest performing episodes of the year, at least on YouTube, then what does that say, right? Maybe it's still worth doing, but if a tree fell in the forest and nobody saw the tree, is it worth felling the tree or making the tree fall, right? That's, um, that's kind of the challenge. Other lowlights or areas for improvement. I would say probably something to do with audio video quality i think the audio quality is okay so i've gotten better in terms of the uh recording software i'm no longer using zoom i'm using riverside fm which is absolutely phenomenal i'm not sponsored by them but i would never ever ever in 100 years go back to zoom after using something like riverside which is marvelous for local and uh video recording but there's a couple things i can improve on like first of all this camera i'm just using the one i'm using the webcam on my macbook and it's fine. It's easy to travel with it because there's no camera to take. But I think it could be probably looking at upgrading that. I've been using this mic, which is um, an Audio-Technica USB mic. Uh, also been using the, uh, the Blue Yeti. And they're fine, right? But I think, yeah, I think it's really the camera. And also, I'm still like super low-tech beginner using iMovie to edit all the video and I'm not doing any like fancy adjustment of the audio I've had a few people email me or contact me and say like James I, th I noticed there's a little bit of distortion there some like pop and uh, this pop filter fixes most of it but there's there's also a lot of just like I can make the audio better I can make the video better I understand that on a very intellectual level it's just yeah I mean I it's hard, right? Because um, not trying to make excuses, but I'm just a one-person team. I'm not the the most proficient in audio video. If it mostly works, like my philosophy being in software and still working on software stuff in my day job is like, if it mostly works, if it sh if it works, then ship it, right? You can always improve later on. So I think it's been a few months of this setup, and I do think that it could be improved. So I would like to do that. I'd like to make it higher quality. I just didn't make it a focus because I think the content is king, right? I never want to hold up doing something just because I felt like I needed to get that 80% to 90% to get it a little bit better because that just leads to a lot of paralysis. And I just see it happen to a lot of friends or people around me. They just get so caught up in the technical aspects of the project that they never end up doing the project, right? So it's a kind of self-limiting thing. So I always try to avoid that. But it's a it's a it's a balance, right? Because I think it, I think it would be better to like start to learn how to use Adobe Premiere, how to use better effects, like better audio visual treatment. Like, can I fix the audio? Can I between my my audio and the guest audio? Can I make it better? I mean, there's always areas to improve on, right? It's just a question of how much to to invest the time to invest in it. That's 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 the key, right? Because the most important thing I should be doing is recording and making this content, right? This is the one thing that keeps me excited, keeps me happy, keeps me alive. That's what I want to do. 
But there's all the other stuff to get it past the finish line. Another good example is, um, you know, self-limiting holding me back, self-limiting beliefs holding me back is YouTube. I should have started YouTube. This is, I'll, I'll just say, I guess I'll kind of summarize is that I had ups and downs with YouTube this year because I should have started YouTube. I was just scared to do it, all right? I was scared to start video for Humans of Magic and I should have done it a lot earlier. I mean, I guess the best time was yesterday. The second best time is now. So I'm glad I did it. But it's just funny, like, you do things and you kind of realize after the fact that the things that you were scared about initially, and that's why you didn't do the thing, it all turned out to be bullshit later, right? Like, I didn't know how to upload or edit YouTube videos or podcasts for YouTube. I didn't know how to make a thumbnail, a reasonable one. I didn't know how to write headlines. And six years ago, I didn't know how to upload a podcast i didn't know how to ask questions i didn't know what gear i should have i didn't know i didn't know i didn't know i didn't know i was afraid of so many things this is a reminder to myself and anyone who's listening if you care about the thing just do the thing don't make excuses don't try to get it perfect don't make to-do lists like i'm gonna do this next week just do it now the best time is always now this is why at 9 50 p.m at night in a crappy lighted room with a terrible webcam here i think the only good thing is the the audio right the the terrible desk light beside me I am recording this because yes, I could wait. I could wait until tomorrow morning. Maybe the maybe I'll figure out some lighting things. Maybe I'll get a video camera tomorrow. But the best time is now. I wanted to have a year-end review episode for this Tuesday. And so this Monday night, right now, even though I am dead tired after a week, a day of work and various things in the holidays, I am sitting down and doing this because this is important and I'm going to fucking put it into iMovie and export it back out and make the audio version and upload it and do the thumbnail and do whatever I need to do to get it semi-respectable on the platforms because that's what I do. That's what I do. I can't control how many people listen to this, how many people trash it, um, whatever, whatever the market result or perception or output is, I can control my own inputs. And that is what matters. It's kind of turned a low light into a, into a positive, I guess is kind of the, kind of the person I am type of person I am. So yeah, let me think. Highlights and lowlights. Yeah, lowlights was the technical production could be better. It's definitely a function of uh, time invested. And going into more non-magic territory. Right. So, okay, that's all the, that's kind of the recap. 2023. 2023. 
You know, I just started a new corporate day job about a month ago. But really planning for it in advance um, for longer than that. And it's been... It's been intense. It's been intense. But I do want to keep Humans and Magic going on a weekly basis. I will find a way. The current way is editing, producing episodes during the weekend, which is the only time I can do it when I'm away from the day-to-day demands of the new job. And I just love interviewing. I just love talking to people. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And so... I want to continue working on my craft. I want to become a better interviewer. I want to learn by doing, as always. And I want to upgrade my audio setup, video setup, technical stuff. I want to go bigger. I I don't know how. I think maybe now that COVID is subsiding from all all areas of the world, including in China, maybe more man on the street, maybe more live interviews, maybe like more face-to-face stuff, because I can do that stuff too. I mean, I don't, it doesn't have to be all online. Maybe finding my groove in terms of certain features. Because I think the storytelling, this American life kind of storytelling that I used in this Ukrainian life, uh, complete ripoff of the, the title, in case you didn't, hadn't noticed. I love that stuff. It's just It's just really time consuming to do. But where there's a will, there's a way. I do believe that. So 2023, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I want to get better at things. I think I want to also start playing more magic again. I think the muse or the inspiration strikes when you're playing magic and you understand certain things about it and you share the joy with other other people like your guests. And truth be told, I kind of went a little bit too far this year. I played very little magic because of life and work stuff. And also because, ironically, I wanted to spend more time on this podcast than playing the game of magic itself. I wouldn't say it was detrimental because I, I know enough about the game over several decades of playing it to still hold my own in conversations and really understand what's going on and try to do a good job of try to do a decent job of absorbing the discourse out there. But I think there were a lot of hangups I had about magic this year. The after just I was just recently talking to a friend. I think it's really just all in my head. I mean, it really is on in our heads, literally. But I think a lot of it was just my own personal fuck ups or hangups. I was very down on certain formats like Legacy this year, despite it being one of my historically best favorite go-to formats and I think I've come to the realization that if I enjoy something I should just enjoy it I shouldn't find reasons not to enjoy it I should still be able to enjoy things on my own terms right just like this podcast is niche you may not enjoy it you may enjoy it but I enjoy it I enjoyed the fuck out of doing this podcast so I'm gonna keep doing it and I really can't change it to be I really can't change it to be like commander gameplay right (laughs) humans of EDH commander that's just not who I am I can't I can't force that in the same way formats are what they are 
And me having these highbrow, pretentious views about, you know, legacy is no longer legacy because it's infiltrated by all these new cards, like from Modern Horizons 2 and Commander sets. I mean, is that objectively true? Yes. But am I going to miss out? Probably also yes, if I just decide not to engage with a format. Because any format I'm playing or engaging in, Pioneer, Modern, Legacy, I played a whole bunch of formats this year, or constructed formats, competitive I should say, they all have their issues. So at the end of the day, if I'm finding repeated faults and everything, maybe there are those faults, but I'm probably just missing out. And I'm just missing out on life. And Magic has been, gosh, a big part of my life for such a long time. And I I love this game. I love the community more than the game. And this podcast keeps me in it. But I think I need to learn to love the game again. 2023. I need to learn to love it. And love myself as well. Yeah, it sounds kind of um, highbrow, but that is how I feel. So hopefully it'll come together. Oh, gosh. All right. This has been a pretty long year in review already. I guess I said, I might have said at the beginning, I want to make it an hour, but that's just me. I can't really stretch it out that long. So I think this is going to be it. 45, 46 minutes. um, Relatively lean, I guess. Quotation marks. And there's a lot more I want to say, but maybe we'll just keep it here. Thank you for, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening to Humans of Magic in 2022. It was by far the best year ever for the show in terms of listenership, feedback, growth, just having more deep and awesome conversation with people from just from my perspective um just it's been really truly an honor and a privilege to be in the community and to talk to so many great people whether it's within the interview or just the community itself i just love everybody and hope i can continue doing it and as i said where there's a will there's a way Thank you for supporting Humans of Magic all year round and listening to it and talking about it and sharing your love of personal conversations that I try to do. All right, that's it. Happy holidays. Be good to your fellow neighbor. And yeah, just take care of yourself. Hopefully we'll see you again next year for Humans of Magic. Peace out and um, be well.